I'm so happy to see you today. I'm glad you were able to make it to God's house today. Amen. Amen. Uh, you did well to come to God's house on such an auspicious Sunday morning. I believe uh, you will not go back home the same. Your life will, will be changed. Amen. I'm so excited. Uh, over what the Lord has been doing in this place over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we have had mighty men of God on this platform ministering to us, encouraging, admonishing us on our theme uh, raised uh, for such a time as this. And uh, last week, who remembers what last week's message was on? The photo gates of? The photo gates, right? Hallelujah. Who remembers what they were? Anyone who has them in order? Yes. Hallelujah. Let me hear, daughter. The first one is his cross. His death. The blood of Jesus. His resurrection. Amen. Those are the photo gates that we learned about last week. When we are talking about toll gates, uh, they are toll gates to salvation. Amen. Uh, to our deliverance, to the life that we have in God. That the journey starts with the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Happy to see you, Mr. and Mrs. Ongesa. How are you guys doing? We <laughs> love you. Amen. So we were talking about the four toll gates. So I am going to be dissecting each one of these toll gates in the next couple of weeks um, when we are going to start with the cross. Amen. So you, as you just realized, sometimes your notebook is smarter than your head. So it's better to take notes. Uh, we want to be like the Bereans. The word of God says whenever they would come to the house of the Lord, they would write notes. And whenever they would go home, they would then begin to open scripture. Then after they've uh, researched and looked at scripture, then they will say, Amen. At home. Hallelujah. So it's okay. Uh, I know it's going to get a little bit deeper. So it's okay if you don't say amen. But it will sink uh, very soon as we begin on this journey. So the Christian walk starts with a dilemma uh, in the book of Genesis. We are told that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and there is what we call, uh, we, it was mentioned last week, there is what we call the gap theory. The gap theory says there is a division or there is a space of time that exists between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. So when we are looking at scripture in the book of Genesis uh, chapter 1, this is what the word of the Lord says. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. The earth was without form and void. So we believe when the word of God says he created, that God does not create anything that is not perfect. So when he created the heavens and the earth, they were created uh, perfectly. Just as he created mankind and placed mankind on earth. That's why the word of the Lord says man is fearfully and wonderfully man. Meaning that he created you with perfection, with precision. 
He created everything meticulously. He, in his intelligence, there is nothing that he creates that is not complete and beautiful. So when we get to verse 2 of Genesis, the word of the Lord says, The earth was without form and, uh, form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth. Now that word without form means incomplete was without form and void. The Hebrew words there are tow and bow, which means uh, without form and void. Amen. So that's what we now find in the book of Genesis chapter 2. When we go on to Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 3, then, hallelujah, then, so on top of everything that it transpired, so between Genesis 1 and Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and 2, that's when the word of the Lord says, and the devil fell like a lightning. So he was cast from heaven because he said, I will ascend uh, to the place of authority. In other words, there was a place that was reserved for mankind that existed at the right hand of the Father. So the devil thought he would occupy that seat. But in, in so doing, he rebelled against God. And with a third of angels, he was cast down on earth he was sentenced or he was banished from the heavens hallelujah now verse 3 says then God said let there be light and there was light because this was a type or this was a, play, a playing out a sequence of event that was in display of God's ultimate function that when Ever, the enemy comes and he brings destruction. That's why the word of the Lord says the enemy comes but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So the earth was without form and void because of God's judgment. But then in verse 3 he says, Then God said, Let there be light and there was light. So he created man and he gave man an assignment. He said, I'm going to put you in the garden of Eden. When I put you in that garden, I want you to have dominion and authority. So man was created as a being of authority and dominion. To rule as a ruler. We were created to be kings. He created us in the image, uh, in his own image, and he gave us the power, hallelujah, that he had. So when God created animals, that what he would do is he would bring the animals before Adam, and he would say to Adam, what shall we call this? Then Adam would say, we will call this a lion. And it became a lion. We call this a giraffe. And it became whatever it is that he would have called it to be. Hallelujah. So in the garden, man was not constrained to space and time. The way man operated in the garden, he was a man or a being of authority. Hallelujah. So he would think anything. And whatever it is that he would think, it would come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he would, if he wanted to go to a place, he would just think that place. And when he thinks that place, he will find himself there. Man had no limitation in the Garden of Eden. Before the fall of man, the perfect plan of God was for man to be a being of authority and dominion. Are we together? Hallelujah. Therefore, then we find, so you say, Pastor, what are you really talking about? If you remember, after Jesus Christ had been taken up into heaven in the book of Acts, there was a, a, one of his apostles called Philip. The word of the Lord says there was an Ethiopian eunuch who was 
sitting in his coach and reading the Bible. But this man, as he was reading the Bible, he could not understand what he was reading. Then all of a sudden, a man came alongside him and began to run alongside the chariot. My God. Because he was, he was running at the same speed as the horse was running. Hallelujah. Because he had understood authority and dominion. Hallelujah. So he begins to have a conversation with the, with the Ethiopian eunuch and he says to him, Do you understand the things you are reading? The Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I understand without anyone to explain? So he says, come on in, hop in, hallelujah. Then the, Philip begins now to explain everything that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. He was reading the scriptures. So he began to expound to him the hidden mysteries of the word of God. Then they got to a river and they said, oh, there is water. Because of what you have preached to me. Why don't I just get baptized now? So immediately they went into the river. They began, he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch and immediately Philip disappeared and he was found in the, in the middle of Jerusalem preaching the word of God. Here is a man that had understood, he had gone back to the original authority that man had in the garden. That whatever he would think, it would happen. If he thinks a place, he would find himself in that place. Whatever it is that you think, whatever you think concerning your life, God will bring it to pass because you are a vessel of authority. Unlike the devil, the devil has never created anything. He is always a copycat. He does not produce anything. But you were created as a being of authority. The word of the Lord says, replenish the earth. Hallelujah. We were created as beings of authority and dominion. So Philip thinks a place. After speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch, he says, my job and my task here is done. And he thinks another place and he finds himself in the, in the middle of the sea preaching the word of God. It's there in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Because he had gone back to the original authority that men had been given initially in the garden. But what had happened? Genesis chapter 2 transpired when God created man and he put him in the garden. The word of the Lord says you may eat everything that's in the garden. Except the, the, the tree of the, uh, the fruit of, the, of, the, of knowledge and uh, of, of truth and and good and evil sorry yes so he had given him an instruction the only thing is he said you can have everything except this do not partake of the fruit of the tree of the of knowledge and uh, of, of good and evil amen so we find man then disobeyed God God said to him now let's look at Genesis chapter 3 Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So God says you the moment you eat of this fruit, you are going to die. Now, when Adam and Eve ate this fruit, did they die? Did they die or they continued to exist in the garden? 
They continue to exist in the garden, right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But God has said the day that you eat, you are going to what? To die. Was God telling a lie? Was God uh, not sure exactly of what was going to happen? No. He knew exactly what he was was talking about. When God created man, the, the word of the Lord says he took the dust of the earth and he created an image. Oh, he created a, a, a statue. He created man in his own image. That image did not come to life until he breathed something in it. He breathed his breath into it. Now the Bible says, and man became a living being. In other words, what caused man to be a living being was the breath of God that existed in him. Are we together? Amen. So the moment men ate, the word of the Lord says their eyes were opened. All this time they were in the garden, not putting on any clothes. But the moment they disobeyed God, the moment they uh, committed treason against God, the issue was not the tree that they ate. Because we hear some people trying to say, oh, what kind of fruit was it that they ate? That was not where the issue was. The issue was in obeying the commandment that God had given them. That if you eat of this tree that I have told you not to eat, that day that you do that, you are going to die. Hallelujah. So they committed treason against God. They sinned against God. They missed the mark. So immediately something happened when they committed treason against God. They died. Hallelujah. What died immediately was not the flesh. But what died immediately was the spirit man. Hallelujah. Now the Bible says what is eternal life? This is eternal life. That we may know who? God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So in other words, you can be moving in the body that you have and be dead. So Adam and Eve still remained in the garden, but there were corpses alive in the garden. They were just living corpses that were walking in the garden. They died. What is death? Death is separation from God. They had been separated from God. Because God comes, the word of the Lord says, as God would do always. He would come in the cool of the day and he would have a conversation, a chit chat with Adam and Eve. But on this day he comes and he says, Adam, where are you? Hallelujah. God was saying, I do not sense life in you. I do not, I cannot locate you in the spiritual realm because you have fallen. Hallelujah. You have come to the place of being formless and void. You are now just an empty thing that's moving around. Life has been taken out of you. Where are you, Adam? You have moved from the place of authority that I had given you. So Adam was just a thing walking in the garden. So the spirit man in them died. But something became alive. What became alive? The flesh became alive. So all this time, they had been walking in the garden naked. And they did not worry about it. Or care about it. Or notice it. Hallelujah. But the moment they disobeyed God, they 
died immediately. Because the Bible tells me that when God came, he said, Adam, where are you? Adam was in hiding. Hallelujah. Adam was hiding from God. That's where sin places us. The word of the Lord says, the love of God, uh, or, or God's hand is not too short where he cannot serve, but our iniquity has separated us from the love of God. So what separates mankind from the love of God is sin. Adam went and he hid. And then the Lord says, why are you hiding? Hallelujah. And the Lord said, and, and he answered and said, we heard you calling us. We hid because we were naked. Then Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. That was the state of mankind now after the fall. Something became alive. So instead of us living by faith, we now live by sight. Hallelujah. Your future is now determined by what you can see with the natural eye, what you can hear with the physical ear, what you can touch with your hand. Hallelujah. There is now another nature or there is something that became alive which we call nature. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. A sinful nature began to reign in humanity or in mankind. That sinful nature is what tells you that it's impossible. Hallelujah. That sinful nature is what tells you what you can accomplish and what you cannot accomplish. Because the God part had been taken away from Adam and Eve. They became just ordinary people. Reigned and ruled by, over by the devil and by the appetites of their flesh. Then the word of the Lord says they had taken leaves and they tried to cover their nakedness. Hallelujah. Leaves always speak of our human effort, our self-effort to attain or to cover our faults. You cannot be helped until you come to a place where you realize where you are and you admit that this is where I am and I need help. Hallelujah. So Adam and Eve were there and they were naked. They had taken leaves and they had covered themselves with leaves. But God said, I'm going to kill an animal in the garden and I'm going to cover your nakedness. So in the beginning of the world, there is something that begins to happen. Christ is crucified in the book of Genesis. Mm. Hallelujah. Okay. Hallelujah. Are we together so far? This was just a background for you to understand. So today I want to talk about the cross. Where does the cross come in? The cross comes into picture because of this dilemma that man finds himself in. Where the authority that God had intended for him to have, he has abdicated it to the devil. Hallelujah. And what now is reigning in our lives is sin. Though we have this body that we have, but because we are separated from God, we are walking as dead people. Hallelujah. But then the cross comes to try and do something, to try and restore us back to a place where we have life and life eternal. Are we together? Amen. Is that clear so far? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So did Jesus, when he came, what was his attitude towards the cross? Did he know what it is that he had come to do? Hallelujah. Was he cognizant of everything that he had come to do? 
The word of the Lord says one time after he had asked Peter, Who do men say that I am? And Peter says, You are the Christ. Hallelujah. If we turn our Bibles, let's turn our Bibles real quick. Uh, to the book of uh, Mark, chapter 9, verse 31. Are we there? Hallelujah. If you're still looking, say I'm still looking. Hallelujah. I'll retract and just read it uh, from verse 30. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him. Hallelujah. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they do not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. So Jesus, after that moment, that time, his disciples told him that he was the Messiah. And he said, flesh and blood is not revealed this to you. He then began to talk to them about what was coming. And he said to them, the son of man must die. Then immediately, Peter said, master, don't talk about this. What are you now talking about? You are the Messiah. So the picture that they had of the Messiah was that he was coming to deliver them or liberate them from the Roman rule. But there was something that he was coming to deal with that was not on the physical. Or that was beyond just the physical. Hallelujah. Men had died where? Spiritually. Hallelujah. So Jesus was coming to address the root of the problem. The root of the problem was not the Roman Empire that was ruling at that time. It was not the things that were external. But he was coming to deal with something that was inside. Hallelujah. And the devil also knew this. That's why Peter said, Master, don't talk about dying. But then Jesus stands to Peter and says to Peter, you are concerned about the things of the flesh, but there is something that I'm more concerned about. I'm concerned about your eternal destination, more than I'm concerned about your temporary comfort. I can tell you what you want to hear at this time, but there is something that's more important to me. It is that you get eternal life. So he rebuked Peter. So from that moment onwards, Jesus began to talk to his disciples and to explain to them outwardly that there was something that he had come to do which was to die. Hallelujah. Because men had died. So an eye for what? For an eye. A tooth for a tooth. So to liberate mankind, they needed someone to die. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus had come to do. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 53. It's a very uh, common, very familiar scripture to us Christians. Amen. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to read from verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should uh, desire him. So Christ was coming just as an ordinary person just like you and I. 
when the, the, the Pharisees came to look for Jesus to go and crucify him, the word of the Lord says they did not know him or they could not uh, identify him apart from his disciples. It had to take who? Judas Iscariot kissing Jesus to say this is the man. Hallelujah. So there was nothing about him that was extraordinary on his, in, in terms of his physical appearance. He just looked like you and I. Now the book of, in the book of Hebrews, the word of the Lord says, He has prepared a body for me. What was this body being prepared for? A body to die. Hallelujah. Because God in his spirit form could not die. Because what is true death? Separation of what? Separation of man from, from God. Or when we, in the physical, when we say someone is dead, what would have happened? The spirit would have departed from what? The body. So Jesus to die needed a what? A body. There was no way God could die without a body. So a body was prepared for Jesus. Because there was a dilemma or a conundrum that man had found himself in. Man had died. He had been separated from God. Because he had been separated from God, a man had to come to die. Hallelujah. So the cross was going to be the vessel or the conduit or the, the, the means by which he was going to die. Hallelujah. It was not going to be a pleasant death. It was not going to be a simple death. But it was going to be a death that everyone is, was going to remember. It had to be remarkable and imprinted on their minds that this man surely died. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Are we together? Yes. And there's a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our, our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Hallelujah. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was buried for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So every one of us, we had all fallen short of the glory of God. But everything was now placed on who? On Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When he was, everything was happening to him, they thought, oh, God is punishing this man. Now to the Jews, the death of the cross was the most despised of death. Because the word of the Lord says, cursed is the man that he hangs on the tree. So when they saw Jesus being hung, those who had put their expectations on him. They said, how could he have been when he's dying such a horrible death? It must not have been the Messiah we were looking forward to him coming. Because if he were so, why is he dying such a cruel death? Such a shameful death. He did not die just a death. But the cross was a death that was despised of all deaths. This is how the pagans uh, or the Romans regarded 
the death of crucifixion. They regarded crucifixion with horror. So did the Jews, though for a different reason. They made no distinction between a tree and a cross. So the Jews made no distinction between a tree and a cross. Right? Jesus was going to die on a cross. To the Jews, this was a tree. Hallelujah. Amen. So they automatically applied to, to crucified criminals the terrible statements of the law that anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. Deuteronomy 21 verse 23. Cursed is the man that hangs on the, on the tree. Hallelujah. So with the Romans, no one by law, no one who was of uh, uh, Roman origin was allowed to be crucified. Because that's how they viewed the death of a cross. That it was the most cruel of death, the most despised of death that anyone could die. That's why Christ came. He came to die the most despised of death. Hallelujah. Because men had died in the garden. So there are two types of deaths that I've talked about. The first one, we said the true death is separation of God from mankind. So if Christ was going to die, he had to come and he had to be separated from God for him to die spiritually. Did Christ die spiritually? Yes. He died spiritually. Because when he was hanging on the cross... What did he say? My father, my father, why have you what? Forsaken me. So he was forsaken by the father. The father neglected him on the cross. When he was in the garden, the word of the Lord says, he was praying and he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass. What was the cup he wanted to pass? Was he afraid of nails? No, he was not afraid of nails. Hallelujah. What he was afraid of that had never happened from eternity past that was about to happen now was the separation of the son from the father. He could not dare think about, about, about it being separated from him because the Bible says I and my father are one. The word of the Lord says, I do not do anything unless I see my father doing it. So that's how significant to Jesus, what it meant to Jesus. Being separated from the father was something he did not want to even think about. In the garden, he began to sweat, sweat like drops of blood when he just thought of being separated from his only, from his only father whom he loved. Everything that Jesus had done so far had been to please the Father. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord says when he got from being baptized, he got to the river Jordan and he saw John baptizing people. But Jesus made a statement immediately when he got to the river that he was going to die. Because baptism symbolizes what? Death and then resurrection. So when you go to John the Baptist, John the Baptist says, "My, you are, your sandals are not even worthy to, to untie. Mm -hmm. 
But Jesus says, we must need to do this so that we fulfill what? All righteousness. So Jesus went and he died. So in other words, his mind had been made up concerning his death. And this was a message to him that he had sent him that I am still with the program. I'm still with the plan that we devised from the foundation of the earth when you killed the animal. I'm giving up my life. When John saw him, he says, there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I've come to point you this morning to the, to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That Jesus Christ was that Lamb that was being prepared from the foundation of the earth until he walked on earth with a body like you and I. He was coming for one reason only and that reason was to die. Hallelujah. Because man had died spiritually. Man had been separated from God. If you are not walking with God, it means you are a dead corpse. You can be in church and be dead because you don't have the Son of God in your life. Hallelujah. You can be singing worship songs and be a dead body if you don't have God in you. Therefore, Jesus said they have been separated from us for a long time. What we created them for was that they be living, that they be alive, that they be vessels of authority and dominion, that they know and exhibit the will of God and the pattern of how things are in heaven on this domain. But they have died. They are alive to other senses. They see limitation. They see impossibilities. They see their nakedness. They are condemned. They see faults. That's why the word of the Lord says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because when you are in Christ Jesus, he comes and he says, you were naked, but I've come to clothe you. I've come to put on garments of righteousness on you. Hallelujah. So Jesus came and as he went on the cross and there in agony, he says, my father, my father, why? Have you forsaken me? He was not just saying it for the sake of saying it. But he was saying it for you and I to understand fully what was happening. That he died the shameful of death on the cross. And he wanted you to know that he was separated from the father. That's why he says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? In the beginning, the word of the Lord, in the beginning, God. That word in the Hebrew is the word Elohim. Means it's a plural word. That means means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three of them, they said, let us create the universe. They created everything. There is nothing that the Son had ever done that was apart from the Father. But on this day, when he came to die for you and I, because we were dead, he says, because they are dead, it means a death to replace or to take care of a death. So he was hanging there and he said so that Sandra will know one day that from my father I was separated so that she can be reconciled. I have to make him know my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? The father had forsaken the son. The father had turned his back on the son because the son was carrying the weight of the sin of the world. He was carrying your iniquity on the cross. And those that were crucifying Jesus, 
They said, let his blood uh, be upon us. Hallelujah. All those that were watching, they said, let his blood be upon us. They, when, when, when they were told, this is innocent blood that you want to shed. This is what they replied, Pastor Bob. We don't care. We don't care. Let his blood put it on us. Put it on us that we are the ones that killed him. It's on you and I. It's on me. I've heard people say, I'm not the one that crucified Jesus. Who then crucified Jesus? Who then murdered the Son of God? Who then did such an act separating God from mankind? Who did this thing? It, it was your sin and my sin that pulled him when he was carrying the cross uh, on that road up Golgotha. He was, it was your sin, Cheryl. He was doing it because of our transgressions. He was doing it because of me, my shortcomings. I am the one that moved him, that beat him 39 times. I rushed his back and I was smiling when I was doing it. I was happy and delighted when I was doing it. I was so happy as, as I was rushing him over there and I, would, I had no mercy. Hey, hey. It was my sin. That took the Son of God and punished him brutally and killed him a sorrowful death. It was me, Malvin Vito, killing the Son of God. I took a hammer and I drove nails into each one of his hands. I was the one there. And when I came back and I saw he had died spiritually, I was not content with his death spiritually. I wanted to make sure he's dead physically. So what did I do? I took a spear and I went and I observed and I saw the other thieves had died. I was still alive, so I broke their legs. Then I took a spear because I saw that the word of the Lord says he had given up his ghost. In other words, he had died physically. The flesh and the spirit had been separated. But I wanted to make sure <laughs> that he is dead for sure. So what did I do? I took a spear and I thrust it in his side. Water and blood gushed out. And I looked at there and I said, now I'm satisfied. I did not just kill him spiritually, but I killed him physically. He is dead, dead. Joseph of Arimathea came and he took just the body, the corpse, and he carried it to a tomb. Hallelujah. And there they laid just a body. The body and spirit separated. Jesus and the Father separated. And you went there. Hallelujah. Now, was Jesus first? He says, I am here to do the will of my Father that sent me. He says, I have the power to lay down on my life. The devil did not account for this part. Because the devil knows nothing but kill. That's why when he heard that the children of Israel of Israel were having sons, he would kill and kill 
kill them. But one was called, there is called Moses, who was made to escape. Hallelujah. When he heard that there was a star that appeared, that the wise men followed. And when they got to Herod, they said, Herod, there is one that has been born king of kings. And we have seen his star. And we have followed it here. We have come to worship and to give homage to the king of kings. Then Herod said, go and see him. When you see him, come tell me so that I may also go and worship. But when the wise men did not return, what did the devil do? He did what he knows to do. He began to kill. Then the word of the Lord says, the children of Rachel were heard crying, hallelujah, in the city of Jerusalem. Male boys, all those that were under two years of age were being killed. The devil is not your friend, hallelujah. He is not the friend of your destiny. He is not the friend of your future. He came to do one thing, to obliterate your life, to make sure you have no future and no future at all. That's why Jesus came and the devil was so predictable to Jesus. Jesus knew, I know one thing for sure, that if I go, he's going to what? To kill me. Hallelujah. He's going to do everything to make sure that I, I die. Hallelujah. The devil is predictable. Hallelujah. If you are the devil's friend, I can predict your future. That your future is going to end in nothing else but death. If you have covenants with the devil, I can, I can predict how that covenant ends. It ends with death. It ends with blood. It ends with you giving up more than what you wanted or what you thought you would bargain for. The devil was predictable to Jesus. He did not know what the power was. Because sometimes when we are thinking about what is happening, we think there was a wrestling match, right? <laughs> Kung Fu. And the devil came in as he was coming, Jesus kicked him. And when he kicked him, the devil fell. And then he took his keys. That's not what happened. The victory was in the, the death. The moment that the devil killed Jesus, it was over. It was finished. The devil was is not in hell. Okay, let me explain. When Jesus came, the word of the Lord says he was casting out devils. But when they, he began to do that, what Demons answer him. Yes. What did they say to him? It is not yet our time. Why have you come to persecute us before time? So in other words, there is a covenant or the, the devil is a lease that he has been given. So when you are praying, if you pray, I bind you to hell. That's, that prayer is not going anywhere. Because the, the devil does not dwell in hell. Right? He is the prince of the air. Hallelujah. He will not go to hell until his lease is over. That's why when you, before he cast out the, 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 the legion and, 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 and send them into the swine, they said, send us into the swine. Jesus did not say, go to, go to hell. He just said, come out of him. Hallelujah. And he banished them from the life of the, of, of the men that they had possessed. 
So when you are praying, hallelujah, you have authority over the devil, but not the authority to send him to hell. No. <laughs> hallelujah. Are we together? Yeah. That's why Jesus, they say to Jesus, our time is not come. They have a lease or the time period that they are operational on this earth until that time period is over you cannot send the devil to hell that's why the devil was not in hell when Jesus died because the, otherwise if he was in hell the devil cannot go in hell and come out because the moment the devil goes into hell and he comes out what does he become? He becomes the resurrected. Mm. Now the Bible says Jesus became the first to be the resurrected from the what? From the dead. Mm. Hallelujah. So without, uh, so Jesus was the first one to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. When he went into hell, he was the first to walk out. <laughs> hallelujah. And when he walked out, hallelujah, there are two places that we call hate and Sheol. Sheol. Sheol, right. Hallelujah. Hey, in Hades, uh, that is the place where those that had believed in Christ before he had come had been saved by credit, but they could not go to heaven yet. So when Jesus died, hallelujah, that immediately reversed what had happened in the garden. The death, the separation of mankind from God. Now Jesus, when he comes out, so he comes out and he says, when Mary wanted to touch him, he says, do not touch me yet. Right? I'm talking about his spiritual death. Because I have not yet. So when he went into hell, the father was not there. It was him separated from the father. So that's why he comes and says, do not touch me yet. Because I have not what? Ascended to my father. Mm. I have not yet been united or reconciled to my father. I go to my father. (laughs) Hallelujah. Go tell my brethren that I have risen. And when you tell them, tell them to wait for me. Because I go to my father. So Jesus was going to the father to present himself and say, father, I died. Hallelujah. Now, I did not just die spiritually. I died spiritually and I died physically. I did not just die, but I died a cursed death. So that they can be blessed. Hallelujah. That's why you cannot be cursed. Hallelujah. No matter what the devil throws your way, you cannot be cursed because he was already cursed uh, for you. You cannot hit the rock. Hallelujah. Because the rock is already pouring out water. You only speak to the rock. When you speak to the rock, water will come out. Hallelujah. That's why you cannot be cursed. That's why even God himself is not punishing you anymore because he punished Jesus. He punished him for our iniquity. He punished him hard. Hallelujah. 39 stripes. There are 39 strains of disease that are known in the world. 
Cancer is in those strengths. HIV is in those strengths. Diabetes is in those strengths. He died to save you to the uttermost. There is no sickness that has a hold on your life because of what Jesus did. He died a shameful death on the cross. He was beaten. He was wounded for our transgressions. And he was crucified. He had to die. That's why when I stand up, I say, death, where is your sting? Hallelujah. Where is your sting, oh death? Because I am alive. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Hallelujah. I've come to give you life and not only life, but life eternal. How does he give us life? He takes care of death. He dies. Jesus died, died, died. Without question, he died. Hallelujah. And when he died, the power of death that was at work in you was taken off from you. Therefore, you are restored to the place of authority. The word of the Lord says he was quickened. The spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the spirit that now worketh in us. Jesus says, I have the power to lay down my life. And I have the power to pick it up. So he played his role. He threw himself in the hands of the predictable devil. And he says he had the, the prince of this world known. They would not have crucified. That's where he lost it. That's where the devil lost it. Hallelujah. That's where everything was lost. The moment the devil realized it, what he had done, it was too late. The whole world was there observing Jesus on Golgotha. They took him to the highest place of the city. And there, thousands and thousands of people observed. Hallelujah. They were there looking at the death of Jesus. They were there lifting up their eyes, seeing what was happening. It was without doubt that the Son of God had died spiritually. That the Son of God had died physically. He died so that you can live. Hallelujah. He died a cursed life. So right now I speak to every curse in your life. I break its backbone from off your life by the authority of Jesus who rose from the dead. Ah, Because he died, he died so I can live. Because he died, I can be alive. Because he died, I am alive. I am now the Zoe of God. The spirit of God that has been taken from man has now been restored. I don't see my nakedness no more. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been set free by the power of God. Now therefore we have been made and the spirit of God testifies within me that I am a son. Not only a son but an heir. An heir together with Christ. I have been restored to the place of authority. The place of rulership. I have life eternal. Whatever I touch leaves. If I put my hands on you, you will live. If I start a business, it will live. If I start a church, it will live. It will not die. Because everything about me says life. There is no ounce of death that lives in me. Come on somebody. You are called to be alive. Be alive today. Claim your life. Claim your victory. I am called to live. I am the Zoe of God. The breath of God in me. I am alive. Everything in me. Every cell in me is alive. Because the DNA of Jesus is in me. He died so that I live. When I pray for my kids, they will live. They will not die. 
because life has been imparted to me. Nothing about me resembles death. If anything was dead, it is coming back to life. There's a bounce back anointing upon my life. I cannot be written off when they write me off. When they say there's a casting down, I'll say there's a lifting up because of what Jesus accomplished for me. He died without question. There is no question mark of what he did. There is no question mark as to what he did. There is no question mark. It is without controversy. Hallelujah. That Jesus died. Hallelujah. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the suffering of Christ and the glories that will be revealed. That word glory is the, in, in, in Greek is the word doxa. That's why we say doxa. When we worship God, we are saying our doxology, our, our liturgical worship of God. We are worshiping him because you lives. We are worshiping him because everything about us uh, speaks to glory. I am not dead, but I'm alive. Like Philip, hallelujah, God gives my faith God's speed. Anything that I do, it will prosper. Hallelujah. Whatever I think, whatever I meditate upon, it will come to pass. As a man thinketh, so is he. So I don't think death over myself. I think life over myself because I'm alive. I am alive. You are alive. Nothing about you is dead. Nothing about you is dead because he died so you can live. Nothing about you is dead. Nothing about you is dead. So Jesus came to deal with the roots. He did not come to deal uh, with the fruits. Hallelujah. Because the roots, why men, Sister D, was sinning against God because man was dead. No matter if you give them the law, hallelujah, uh, because the root has not been dealt with, men will continue to sin. That's why when law was given, the law was not to make men righteous, but it was make, to make men see how, how reprobate he was, how sinful he was. The word of the Lord says, without the law, there is no imputation of sin, or there is, the sin cannot really be pointed out to. Now, because the law has come, we can call it murder. We can call it, we can call it fornication. We can call it whatever we can call it because the law has come but the law was meant to show us that we are dead hallelujah and that because we were dead we needed someone to die and after we've come to the realization of it that we were dead we could not do anything good no good was in me out of my own strength power I could not do good but because he came I cannot sin anymore because God dealt with the with the root of the problem. He reconciled me to Himself. That's why I can live a holy life. That's why I can live a righteous life. That's why addiction cannot take hold or grab me because the life of God now flows in me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come and give glory to Jesus. Thank Him for what He did. Exalt His name for what He did. Hallelujah! Praise Him for His life. Jesus for life hallelujah because we are alive as a church hallelujah there is no excuse for coming to church late hallelujah yeah there is no excuse for us our church starts at 10 30 Jesus made sure there was no doubt of what he had done for our lives there is no reason for us 
Hallelujah. Because we are not of those that are dead. We are those that have been called to eternal life. Huh? Huh? Amen. Amen. Yeah, we have to show that we are about life, not about death. Hallelujah. The house of the Lord is not a funeral place. Hallelujah. Jesus died so that we can be alive. So on Sunday, we need to rush to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We need to be here on time because Jesus did not delay serving us. He made sure that nothing was left unturned. No stone was left unturned. He did everything meticulously so that he can serve us to the uttermost. I'm saved from the inside outside. Hallelujah. So the enabling is not of me. Don't say, ah, it's just a weakness. You don't have a weakness. Because he dealt with every weakness. Yeah, don't say, oh, we are just African. No, he dealt with every case of the bloodline so that you can live a life in abundance, a life of favor, a life of excellence. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? Hallelujah. Amen. So Sunday, hallelujah, 10.30 a.m., we come to have life. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Because right now it's 12.31. And you see, when I'm preaching my message, I can't go with you through the scriptures. I just have to try and squeeze in in the little time that I'm left with because you all came to church late. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. Why am I saying this? Because you have life in you. Hallelujah. You are not cursed, but you are blessed. Hallelujah. There is nothing about you that speaks delay. Your blessing has come speedily upon you. The word of the Lord says he makes everything beautiful in in his time. Hallelujah. When we come to church on Sunday, five minutes before half past, we need to be ready for God. Hallelujah. Amen. That has got to be the attitude we have. Huh? Hallelujah. Amen. 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 That has got to be the attitude we have concerning the things of the kingdom. To say, God, I can't wait for church. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm saying this in love. I know I love you and Jesus loves you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's it's giving time in the house of the Lord. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. Our ashes come up. Hallelujah. My God. My God. My Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Just hold your seat in your hand. Amen. Father, we thank you as we give and stretch out our hands to you to give. What can we give that equals or parallels what you did for us? Lord, we thank you for your son that died. He died and he died indeed so we can live indeed. Father, I thank you for this life over this house, over this church, over this ministry over every individual that's in this place. You are healing their finances. You are cursed so we can be blessed. Lord, you became poor so we can be rich. Lord, I rebuke poverty. In the name of Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.